0: Good morning, friends. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, let me start off by just introducing myself. My name is Chris Roberts, and I work with the students here at the venues most of the time, and I also teach at a local high school where I'm a teacher and a debate coach. And one of the things that working with students all of the time teaches me very deeply is just how uncool I am let me give you an example from just a couple of weeks ago right before school was getting ready to release the debate team that i coach was getting ready to go to nationals and one of my students asked if they could go talk to my assistant coach to do some work on a specific piece that they were going to be performing now my assistant coach was unavailable that day they were out of town and so they said hey mr roberts is it okay if we go see her and i said unfortunately she's not available today, she's out-of-pocket at the moment. Now, for those of you like myself who are over 40, let me explain what people who are under 20 find really cringy about that. You see, in my world, out-of-pocket means they're out of town. They're just not available. But for a lot of people who are under 20, the phrase, out-of-pocket, means they've gone crazy. They are off their rocker. So let me just officially say that today, Philip is out of town. He is not out of pocket, or at least that's the official venue's position. But you know, over the last several weeks, as Philip has been teaching about summer vacation, there have been a lot of discussions about the ways that we maybe perceive different vacations and uh, the different ways that we walk through those different processes. And and so it got me to thinking about the fact that when we do go on vacation, uh, a lot of times we have different perceptions of the ways that other people go or different perceptions of the ways that they're having a good time or that we are feeling like we're missing out on this. But it's not just summer vacations, right? We have different perceptions a lot of times about things that don't seem to matter much. I mean, every three or four months, something comes up on the internet and there becomes a big debate around it, right? Like, for example, we can all remember the, uh, is the dress gold and white or is it black and blue, (laughs) right? Or if we remember the audible one of, is it Laurel or Yanni? And, you know, those types of slight misunderstandings don't really matter, right? They're kind of fun little discussions to have that even Google can't figure out the actual answer to. And sometimes there's even this process called the Mandela Effect where we seem to misremember things and have arguments about those over an adult beverage or a cup of coffee, right? For example... Did Curious George have a tail? How many of you are confident that he did? Raise your hand. A couple of y'all? Yeah. How many of you are confident that he did not? How many of you have no idea whatsoever? (laughs) Fair enough. And, you know, this is great fodder for a quick discussion over lunch. Did Curious George really have a tail? Well, you could Google it, but Rather than having you do that right the second, I'll go ahead and tell you. The answer is, he did not have a tail at all. But somehow or another, we misremember that. And sometimes those differences, they're so small, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's not something to end a friendship over. It's nothing to really get angry about. It's just a minor difference about the way that, you know, we seem to remember something. But sometimes, sometimes the differences that we have are so gigantic that they do make a big difference to us, right? Sometimes they make a big difference in the way that we perceive ourselves. Sometimes they make a big difference in the way that we perceive other people around us. So this morning, I want to spend just a few minutes talking about the ways that we perceive ourselves and others based on the pictures that we show the world of ourselves, the pictures that sometimes we show of our vacations when they're spectacular, and sometimes the pictures that we choose not to show because sometimes they aren't as flattering (laughs) as maybe we'd like. And maybe figure out if there's a way, maybe there's a way in between those, a way where we can be honest, where we can walk in love through the process, and where we can actually live together affirming each other. You know, there's a story in the Christian Bible that we're going to spend some time looking at this morning. And it's a picture that I think might be very helpful to look at, but not just because of what was being said, but by both the person who took the picture and the people who were in the picture at the time. And my guess is, that you might find yourself in bits and pieces in each one of those places this morning. The basic story is this, and it's a story that you may have heard bits and pieces of in the past. It's the story about what happened just after the death of Jesus, okay? And it's honestly, if you were alive at that time, it would have been a pretty terrible few days if you were a follower of the truth, if you were a follower of the way, if you were a follower of Jesus, it's been a terrible day because they don't have the 2,000 years of history that we do, to where Easter is often a big celebration for us. I think there's something to be said about the ways that they felt at that time, the ways that we feel today when other people are celebrating, and sometimes it's hard for us when other people celebrate. You know, it might be the story for a lot of us of COVID of the last couple of years when we see our coworkers doing wonderful things, and they can't happen for us. And the hope is that sometime down the line, we can look back at this time and find positives. But during the time, it just sucks. We're going to start looking at the story. It's in John chapter 20. We're going to look at a couple of verses today. And I want you to think about the perception, the way that that story plays out. It starts in John chapter 20, verse 19, and it says this, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fears of the Jewish leaders and actually, I'm going to stop right there for just a second. We, what we see here is we see a story of these people who had been following Jesus for years, who had been doing all of the like disciplely things, and then suddenly everything was just ripped away from them. They had no purpose anymore, they felt. They had no real anything just weeks before. They had had thousands of people joining with them, and now they're afraid for their very own lives. And so let me just say this. They did exactly what I think most of us would choose to do. They got together with the people who they were comfortable with and stayed together. And let me just say, if you're in a place right now where you're really hurting, I I want you to know that that's okay, right? But it's it's okay if you're in a space where you're just it feels like there's so much sometimes it's okay to put yourself together around just those who you know are going to be safe you don't have to fight the battle the whole time you can be together with people who love you the best thing's that we can do sometimes when the world is just closing in on us is just take care of ourselves but to continue the story it says this. It says that Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, let me just say this. The, the part of this story that we're looking at right now is kind of the weird part, right? It, it says that the doors were locked, and that all of a sudden, Jesus just shows up. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, nobody knows how this happened. Right? We don't know if he went all like David Blaine on them or if he was just like hiding behind a curtain and was like, peekaboo. We, we, we don't understand how that happened at all or if it was even a collective hallucination. We have no idea. The Bible is very unclear about how that happened. But maybe, maybe part of the reason that John includes this part of the story is because it's actually a story that we can feel as well because it's a story of missing out. It's a story of people who had had their lives turned upside down, who suddenly had a joyous moment, like maybe a lot of people that you see are posting about their wonderful vacations in this maybe post-COVID world. Because here's the thing. One of the people who was probably feeling the most devastated about the whole process isn't there. He missed out on the show. And when this guy thomas does show up he's completely devastated the next verse says it this way it says but thomas sometimes called the twin which by the way if you're a twin and that's your nickname i'm very sorry Who <laughs> was one of the twelve was not with them until jesus came the other disciples told him we saw the master but he said look, unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my fingers in the nail hole and stick my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe it. You know, this summer, there's a really decent chance that there are several of us in this room who might find ourselves in Thomas's shoes. Our coworkers, our friends, our family are posting great pictures of themselves as they're in the city or at the beach, or doing wonderfully fun things. And we feel like, yet again, we've missed out. (laughs) I'll be honest with you, my wife Morgan and I just experienced this. A couple of weeks ago, we were supposed to go to Sweden, which is on our bucket list of places to go. But about a week before we were supposed to leave, COVID hit our household. And so we had to cancel our trip. And I'll be honest with you, it dug in just a little harder when all of the ways that Google and Facebook spies on us showed us the Swedish flag or come enjoy a fika, which is Swedish for coffee time, something that we need to have here. I just want to let you know that if that's where you are this morning, if you're in a place where you're looking out and you're just devastated that you're not getting to do the things that you thought would happen, while your friends are, there are people here who can love you and who can hold you. On top of feeling like he was missing out, Thomas has always kind of had a bad rap. I mean, if people know anything about Thomas in today's world, it's his nickname. Anybody know what Thomas's nickname was? What is it? Anybody know? Doubting, right? I'll be honest with you, literally might be the worst superhero name of all time. (laughs) Doubting Thomas has no chance. But you know, some people actually theorize that the only reason that we even know this story is because John was trying to throw shade at him. John, when he was writing the story of Thomas, was just trying to put him in a bad spot. Some authors think that it was literally the only reason that John included the story. Uh, Elaine Pagel says it this way, in the Gospel of John, Thomas is the clueless one. John's portrayal of Thomas is so unflattering, it suggests an intense power struggle between two camps of Jesus' followers. What you're seeing when you read John and Thomas together is an intense, contentious, I mean, I guess you could call it conversation, but it's more like an argument between different groups of followers of Jesus. What they're arguing about is the question, who is Jesus, and what is this good news about him? I kind of get the feeling for this guy, right? I mean, he follows Jesus for three years, does all the disciple things, like quits his job, walks around with Jesus for three years in the desert, and then his name shows up in the Bible a total of 11 times, and all of them except for this story, are just his name in a list. Or his name in a list, including the phrase, the twin. But maybe let me look at a different picture of this, right? We can feel ourselves in Thomas sometimes, the person who's missing out on it. But I think there's a different way to look at this picture. And maybe it's the place that feels, for me, like the place that I feel the most often. Because the story for me is often not that I'm Thomas, not that I'm the one who's missing out, but if I'm gonna be really honest with you, I feel like a lot of the times I'm John. I'm the one who sees people stuck in their ways, in ways that I don't think anymore, and I just can't figure out for the life of me why they can't see what I see. I can't figure out for the life of me why the bell that's been rung that can't be unrung in my belief system hasn't been rung in their world. One of the stories that we hear here a lot at the venues, especially for people who have been here a while, and especially if you grew up like I did in a very... Southern Baptist or evangelical home is that we might look at the people who still are in the same space and not understand how they're still stuck in some of the same dogma, still stuck in some of the rules and regulations, still not doing some of the things that we feel like, look how far advanced that I am. You know, sometimes we beat ourselves up about that as well. We think things like, how could I have believed X or Y? How dare I have taught my students or my children about blank? And it's very easy to create these cycles when we take on the role of John, either for ourselves or for others. And we start to beat them up. Whitney made a post a couple of weeks ago that really lands this statement. It says it this way It says, ironically, when we start to get better, we also often get sad because we start to realize how much we've missed out on, how badly certain people failed us, what the younger version of us actually deserved. Healing involves healthy grieving. There's no way around it. Let me offer a slightly different perspective on this as well, though. And it's not the right or wrong one. It's just where I am now. But maybe the reason that you did those things in the past that maybe you have to grieve about a little bit is because of course you did. One of the hardest stages of grief is often acceptance. And maybe the people who are struggling with anger or contempt or hatred or whatever they're doing, they're doing it because, of course they are. We feel left out because we made a decision to return to college or we decided to have a family or we've had a terrible run of luck and our friends are posting these great pictures and we're feeling frustrated at them? Because of course we are. And it's okay to affirm that. Of course you're frustrated about it. You know, maybe your family or your friends or maybe yourself, you see them in memories on the social media and you just don't understand how they could believe conspiracies or incite violence or they don't help the hungry or they use gendered language or they choose exclusion instead of inclusion. Because of course they do, right? Because of course they do. Because that's where they are. It doesn't excuse it. But I think that when we can see ourselves in both roles, both Thomas, who is missing out sometimes, and John, who is using the story to cast shade those who just aren't there yet maybe we can see areas where we don't love well enough because of course we don't one thing i know about pictures a lot of the time is that when i'm not focusing on love i find myself either being thomas or john i find myself as thomas being the one who's missing out and i feel like i'm john looking at the photos of others or from myself from like 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago and wondering why they aren't as fill in the blank, aware, educated, woke, loving as I perceive myself to be. But maybe, and this is kind of where I want to land today, maybe there's a third way, a way that isn't missing out and isn't just judgmental, but maybe there's a path of love Here's the end of the story. Eight days later, they gathered again behind locked doors, and Jesus reappeared. That time, Thomas was with them. And Jesus said, may each one of you be at peace. And he drew close to Thomas. There's one other picture that I want to show you in this story. It's a picture of Jesus, and it's a picture of love. It's a picture of us when we choose to live a life that is driven By love, I want you to notice that even though it doesn't say that Thomas had changed his beliefs, so they let him in, even though John may have been clowning Thomas, they decided to include him. They didn't say get lost. They said come in. One of the things that I love about the venues is our value of inclusion and affirmation. You don't have to believe the same things that we do to belong here at the venues. You don't have to agree with us or sing our songs, or even know what you believe, the first thing that is clear is that you are welcomed here. You are affirmed here. You are included here. Your voice matters here. You can lead here. You can serve here. You can be fully welcomed as just the person who you are right now and with the person who you love right now, period, no fine print, no little words, full stop, no buts. And maybe it's beyond just mental acceptance. Maybe it's something that requires heart. One of my favorite poets, Andrea Gibson, posted this. They said, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around it. Hmm. Try wrapping your heart around it. Maybe Jesus shows Thomas what it's like to embrace the place where we were and help us lovingly move to a place where we need to be. Maybe he did that for John. Maybe it's when you know better, you do better. A couple of weeks ago, recording artist Lizzo went through a very similar experience. As an artist who has long spoken out about affirmation and inclusion and the importance of them, she came under some criticism for using a word that was derived from a very ableist term, And while sometimes that picture could have been taken out of context and she could have been canceled, just like John might have tried to cancel Thomas, and sometimes Lizzo could have just said, look, I'm a major recording artist, you're a nobody, and just gone on with her life. She chose a third way, a way of listening and a way of love. Take a look at this really quickly. And like they said, there are definitely probably some people who will know more about the song because of her quick change in it. My hope for us is this, that when we hear about ways, even if they're not ways that we knew were problematic, when we hear about those, that we will be quick to show love to other people. Here at the venues, our desire is to be a group of people driven by love. I want you to know, and I'm gonna to talk to those of you who may be watching online right now for just a second, If you're watching and you're seeing this on like a Tuesday morning at two o'clock in the morning and you're afraid that you've missed out, I want you to know that you haven't. I want you to know that you're loved here. Today is the perfect time to send us a message because we would love to connect with you. Because wherever you are, today is the perfect time for you to connect with us. And if you're here in this room and you've been maybe doom scrolling Facebook or Twitter and you've seen things, from 10 years or 10 weeks or 10 minutes before service, and you're just frustrated at yourself, feeling like, how could I have done? I want you to know that you belong here. My hope for this week, for myself and for you as well, is that instead of seeing other people the way that John saw Thomas and badmouthing them because they haven't figured it out yet, maybe we can love and include them. Maybe instead of seeing how we used to be in beating ourselves up about it the way that John clowned Thomas, maybe we can learn to forgive ourselves and to be thankful for the ways that we have grown in love. And maybe if we're seeing others in the way that Thomas was, in a way that we're upset at them because they're getting to do the things that we feel like we're missing out on, maybe we can learn to find ways to remember, even when we're missing out, even when our resume isn't as flashy as we'd like it to be, or our highlight reel isn't as glamorous as someone else's, that we are still loved. Because maybe instead of seeing the picture of ourselves as Thomas the way that John saw it, maybe we can see the picture of ourselves the way that God sees us, as perfectly created, loved, affirmed, and included. Because of course we are.